As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Assertion Failed Episode 9. This one's a special episode because this is actually going to be one of the first topics where I'm not going to be covering most of the content. It's going to be a little bit of a questionnaire interview kind of thing because I'm actually going to be joined by one of my good friends, Higgs. Higgs, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, T-Bone. How are you? Doing great. And uh, Higgs is actually um, an employee at ESL. I believe he works as, uh, what's your exact title, Higgs? It'll be the mobile marketing manager. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so Higgs is a little bit more proficient in the mobile gaming space. The only um, actual experience that I would say that I personally have in mobile gaming is playing Genshin Impact and Wild Rift. So not exactly the most experienced, but I at least understand the idea of mobile gaming. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, mobile gaming, what I, what I really thought when I was writing down a lot of the plot for this episode was I thought about how mobile gaming for a long time it felt like there was a lot of different like games on phones, right? And especially like when iPhones and all these different kinds of Androids came out and Samsung made their phones. We've always had these like flashy little gimmicky apps, but we've never had games that are similar to the ones that they, they make in the East. And a lot of those games like are essentially like MMOs, RPGs, and even some MOBAs, I guess, nowadays. But between like the period of like 2006 to 2018, um, like Eastern countries, especially like China, Taiwan, Japan, have been making their apps for like a very, very long time. And I believe it's one of the highest grossing industries, maybe a little bit less than like the regular esports industry, but it's been a huge one for a very long time. Um, so I did a little bit of research into this and a lot of the cultural implication for why it's so big in China versus the West is because in China, a lot of the smartphones that they have are way cheaper than regular PCs. And you end up actually having to commute a lot to different places for work and school because a, a, way, a lot of the way that the cities and places are structured is actually such that you end up going on trains and stations um, for commute to different places. So you end up just being on your phone a lot of the time, which I also thought was one of the things that you know, interested me because there actually are a lot of different cities, at least I think, in the U.S. where that actually could be a very much possibility where you could be like, hey, you have... 30 to 60 minutes, why not play Pokemon Go or Pokemon Unite on your phone? So I guess the first thing, Higgs, I wanted to ask you is where where exactly do you see mobile gaming in the West currently? Why is it not as popular, as promoted as just regular gaming in general? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of 
what a lot of you know U.S. companies are kind of trying to understand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that, like you said, I mean, in China and in India, right, the access to phones is just so much higher in that sense. Yeah. Whereas you know, PC parts and consoles definitely not so much. Um, so I think that overall, like given that as, as itself, right, these people have tons of smartphones that can run all these titles that you know Tencent or Garena are pumping out and i mean in their minds you know mobile games are the same as pc games or console games right Mm -hmm. um and i think that as far as the u.s goes i mean we have strong roots but it's definitely more casual and i guess like mobile esports you know hasn't really been a thing for a long time in north america um and i mean i think in like two to three years na might catch up and become more mobile friendly than it is now for sure well, I mean, it remains to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that another thing that really like develops for people wanting to invest into that kind of thing is itself like capital and viewership, which obviously like we could even go way back to like the 90s, right? When StarCraft was the big game and there were a lot of other games similar to it. But like in Korea, StarCraft was literally, you know, televised on national television and people saw these Korean superstars as kind of the way that we see NFL or NBA athletes in our own culture. So a lot of that implication definitely has to do with just like how it's seen in different uh, countries. But what I find interesting in general and kind of what at least I was personally hinting at is like what I think about what I was playing on my phone five or six years ago, it was, you know, like stupid games, right? Like Candy Crush, like 2D side scrollers. But now there's actual games that like you feel enticed to actually get on your phone. And even though there's like physical limitations and stuff, um i think that like games such as like wild rift like i said before and genshin impact especially both of those games raised in the west i i actually feel like there's like huge potential for it um i guess i was going to ask this question a little bit later but this probably um this probably like coincides with that that exact inquiry that i want to ask is there any existing barriers that you perceive that could be you know holding back the development of this space currently um, I mean, I think that it's a lot of how the customer is reached. I think a lot of the consumers of mobile games in our culture are younger, for sure. Because, I mean, think about it, like, you know, back in the day, you know, tablets and phones weren't given to kids, right? But now they are. Right, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, like, you got to think about that, right? It's super strange. And I think that, you know, these people don't have social media. They don't, you know, typically go on, like, you know, Twitch, right, for example, all of like their communication is going to be on different platforms that like maybe companies don't quite understand or know how to use properly. Um, and so I guess to your point, I think it's just a matter of time mm-hmm. more than anything else. I think that, you know, with these, these younger demographics kind of growing up, so to speak, right. It's, it just takes time. Like, I mean, look at, look at old school CS and Starcraft, like you mentioned, right. Mm-hmm. Like it took time for those roots to be built and it was definitely not all at once. And I think what we're seeing now in the mobile space is, hey, there is viewership. Hey, there is like tons of engagement, tons of downloads, tons of money. But now it's a question of like, can esports exist in like North America? Because we're seeing it work out just fine in APAC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like Arena Free Fire World had like insane, like hundreds, I think it was hundreds of millions of people watching it at oh, some wow. point. So like, yeah, it's different. The potential is there 100%. It's just a matter of when for North America and how companies decide to pivot to this younger demographic. Yeah, 
Um, another thing I wanted to ask about, about that especially, I don't know how much of a numbers guy you are when it comes to these kind of things, but I really like looking at numbers in terms of like just plain old viewership statistics, not even just like revenue and stuff like that, because that can kind of be kind of jarring to look at, you know, like all sorts of different things can get mm -hmm. revenue for whatever reason, and that doesn't really necessarily correlate popularity. But one thing that I found really interesting was I think the like annual review for 2020, the like number one most viewed game was a mobile game. And obviously that's like globalized, right? So it's including the West and the East. Um, mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is do you see any sort of like disparity between um, like potential viewership and the amount of money like certain companies such as ESL or any other companies you're familiar with? Do they, do they actually like invest a lot of money into mobile gaming or is it just like a lack of viewership? Hmm. I think that if you're trying to live broadcast to mobile uh, individuals without, you know, any kind of in-game support, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, in-game promotion is probably the strongest driver of mobile esports. And if you can like even watch it like in-game, like have like a, you know, like an embed or something, that's even better. Um, so I guess, yeah, there is, a, there is a pretty big disparity from live content to VOD content. Yeah. That's another thing I wanted to touch on is I think it's, you know, a matter of what channels work best to reach these audiences. Mobile gaming is not on Twitch. Like, as much as the platform, you know, might want to expand into it, their audience is just not there. It's all on YouTube. It's all on TikTok. It's all on Instagram. It's, it's definitely more about where they consume the content and then also how they interact with it. You know, younger individuals, you know, not to make a generalization, but they have a shorter attention span. They want things to grip them and then they'll watch. So it's a lot of YouTube shorts. It's a lot of reels, a lot of TikToks. Um, it's usually purely game focused and casual, more about like the limits and the testing inside the mobile game itself versus a competitive nature. However, it the competitive side is enticing to them, but there aren't a lot of like those tournaments happening necessarily. Mm -hmm. um i think one of the biggest ones that i can call out is actually clash of glance mm -hmm, i right. think that the game you know roughly in the past three years kind of revitalized itself it has a very very strong esports space now especially in europe and it's also growing in north america as well um and i think that's like just something really interesting to see how you know this one game we played in high school for example like you and i probably did right yeah right exactly. is now actually growing as an esport and as a game due to its competitive side and I think we're going to see more mobile games kind of go that route where it's like casual at first and then get competitive right. just because the audiences are growing up. What, what does the scale look like for those kind of tournaments currently? Like what are the exact like uh, like numbers in terms of like prize buyout and things like that? Um, well, I know here in at ESL, for example, let me just pull this out. I wasn't prepared for this question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the meantime, I know that it's kind of an intensive from the publisher side. They, they push their own world championship, right? Mm -hmm, um, right. And there's hundreds of thousands of dollars for in the, in the prize pool itself. And definitely like, you know, five digits minimum for the winner of that. Um, and then here in ESL, for example, if you qualify into our challenge league, which is where the best teams in each region come together, the first place prize winner will win 18 grand. Yeah, that's still pretty good. I mean, um, especially if like the the growth of mobile, what I what I really find interesting is that you know like every single industry itself has to scale in a, a reasonable way, right? It's not like 
the first international came out where it was like a million dollars and then every single esport shifted and they were just like oh we need millions and millions of dollars for a tournament like there was there was natural growth to every esport so that actually makes a lot of sense um yeah but i i find that interesting mostly because like i feel like the viewership numbers um I, it wasn't it didn't occur to me actually until you mentioned the fact that mobile gaming is on twitch that there definitely does seem like there's probably things holding back like like the inclusion of twitch um and other platforms just people like not being aware of um the presence of mobile gaming and its competitive factors um, one thing i'd definitely like to see mobile gaming developers do if they're trying to promote their game especially which i think like what cs and league of legends has done pretty well is just advertising it very very heavily on their main menu i would really love to see i don't know exactly know you know like if they already do that or not i'm not too big into certain mobile games but um i i, I definitely feel like that's one of the ways that you know they could definitely gear towards their marketing because you know everybody is going to go to the main menu and look at different things and maybe they don't care so much about the exact competitive side but just seeing the game played in general seems like it'd be really fun no yeah and i mean you hit it right on like the nail on the head here um so for example uh we have our clash of clans is mobile challenge finals happening here on thursday um and europe had theirs last weekend and with the with the help of the publisher, they put our event in game, so it's like a link to YouTube, right? Yeah. And on our live stream, we had 154,000 views, um, Ooh, nice. just from like having in game promo for like you know four hours or so. Yeah. And so it it is it is there. Like I said, it's it, it's all within the in game part of it. Like how easy is it for the consumer to then get to the stream if they had no prior knowledge of it? And yep. So um, one of the things that I'm seeing recently in terms of um, just broad speculation from my end is that people are looking to invest into the scene. Specifically, I think there are certain brands that are definitely like pivoting towards mobile gaming. I just don't <laughs> understand, or I guess I just don't know exactly like what that um, like what that looks like in terms of the scaling, right? So I was asking earlier about how that scale looks like in terms of the price pool because I was trying to get a grasp of just like how much is on the line currently, how much is being invested. So like we just got Wild Rift and they released their statistics for the past, I think six months or something. It is grossing insanely. Um, TFT and LOR respectively are doing, you know, like around 10, 15 million. They're doing like 80 million. It's crazy the amount of sales that they're doing for that game already. So, and then they actually announced they're going to um, try to pursue like mobile Valorant and even mobile Apex, I'm sure as you're aware um where, where does that set it up in terms of being you know close to the same tier for regular esports like what does that scale look like in your opinion for the next two to three years um i mean i think it just depends upon how the games play um mm -hmm. almost as i mean that's like probably the number one most important thing like for a game to become competitive it has to feel good to the user to play and feel rewarding so as far as speculation goes, if the games are made, you know, let's say like a six or seven out of 10 on the scale, I think that it's probably two to three years to where the point NA might become a little more open to the idea of mobile esports mm -hmm. as it is. Yeah, that definitely um, makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, I remember especially one of the only complaints I had when it came to Wild Rift was just learning the controls felt a little clunky at times, but... Um, it, it, I think that it's probably something where, like, if you're into mobile gaming for a while, you're kind of used to the controls, or, like, I don't know, if you're good at texting, <laughs> some, <laughs> some of those can definitely translate into just being kind of used to playing um, on your phone. And I, I, I even know that, like, 
there's certain companies like Nvidia and others who do like attachments to your phone, so you, you can play kind of like a controller stuff like that. I would definitely love to see more developments of that, so that it kind of like you know broadens the horizon for people to kind of try to play on mobile and you know not feel so finicky with it. Yeah, for sure, bridge the gap. Yeah, um, I guess the next thing I want to go into is I feel like. Tencent is this like giant in the industry, right? Just in general for gaming, but especially mobile gaming, because from what I understand, Tencent has um, pretty pretty huge roots into not only most of the mobile games in China, but also a lot of the games they're eventually you know like coming over to the West. And Genshin Impact, of course, is one of the ones as well as League of Legends, where you know we we see the the popularity just skyrocketing heavily there. I kind of want to know um, if you have any insight on other other companies other than like these Chinese giants that are putting money into or developing um, like mobile titles. Yeah, I mean, some U.S. companies that I can name at the top of my head are EA Sport, like EA Electronic Arts. Mm-hmm. They're trying to invest in more casual games, like you know, like their Madden games well, or their okay, NBA games, cool. for example. Um, I mean. Even like Niantic, the Google-based Pokemon Go platform, they're creating a Harry Potter mobile game. Oh, and I think the U.S. has never really struggled with creating like casual mobile games that are fun. But as far as ones that can be, you know, monetized into an esport, that's kind of what we're lacking in. And I think that Activision Blizzard, you know, might actually have a chance with COD Mobile, but it, we've yet to see, you know, any kind of major esports announcements on that front. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll find out eventually, but just for now, we don't we don't know yet. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense because uh, obviously, like COD Mobile is definitely the one that comes to mind. Besides just like the MMOs that I've referenced, because I feel like I always hear about how popular those are, like how many people are playing them, how many people are putting money into them, and I guess maybe the question the developers are trying to figure out is like what that scaling looks like for them, and like how the investment structure looks like because they're they're just kind of unsure because a lot of that potential maybe has been untapped. So that's really interesting. And I'm definitely going to, I'm looking forward to seeing, yeah, like what some of those companies are doing. I know personally, I've been going back to Pokemon go a little bit myself because it's been really fun, you know, just going on a walk and then just, you know, casually pulling up the game for a couple minutes. It's one of those things that just feels like really simple and easy to do. Um, uh, I, I forget if there was anything else I was going to add on to that. But I wanted to see if you had any concluding remarks. Um, I know you're going to L.A. tomorrow, actually, for, I believe, a company meeting, something similar to that. Um, how has working at ESL been? I mean, honestly, it's it's been kind of like a fever dream in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange because, you know, I actually was interviewing for a position at Immortals Gaming Club. And then the recruiter who found me for that job was like, hey, like, you know, you might not have gotten the IMT job, but here's like, I'll connect you with one of my buddies here at ESL oh, um, nice. and you can interview with them. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Um, and so then I went on into that. Uh, things went super well and I got hired as, you know, just like an external guy, right? Someone who was just doing social media on the side, Yeah. but then transitioned to full time within four weeks of being a freelancer for them. Um, and apparently that was unheard of. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, no, and that, that definitely feels like. Uh, sorry to cut you off. That definitely feels like exactly what you said—a fever dream. But I'm sure many of the listeners who are in in and outside the esports space, like if they got that opportunity, I know for sure they'd be they'd be spearheading to get any involvement in that kind of company, especially. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I think it was it was really funny because 
believe it or not, I was not proficient in mobile games at all uh, until I started working at ESL back in like yeah. the end of March. So like, I mean, the mobile program is home here at ESL, and I just wanted to shout out the whole team there. Um, the community managers at Supercell for being awesome. Um, and yeah, it's been an awesome experience overall. Sweet, sweet. All right. Well, I think that that definitely wraps up everything I wanted to say. Um, do you have anything else you would like to add on top of the regards you said to ESL or mobile gaming for what we might be able to see from um, some of these tournaments or anything coming up in the next four months? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think my, my number one statement is don't knock it till you try it. I think that mobile gaming, while it has a long way to go in North America, I've never seen a more impassioned community as a whole. They're not like game specific in terms of like their love. It's more towards mobile gaming as a whole because it just brings everyone together. Um, and as far as like what else and what's upcoming, highly recommend checking out any kind of the ESL mobile broadcasts that are coming up here in August. Uh, you can just find us at you know YouTube ESL mobile, super easy. Um, and yeah, hope to see you guys, you know, playing some mobile games soon. Sweet. I I'm definitely going to have it over and check that out myself. And to all the viewers, you know, unlike PC, where a lot of the, the argument is I, I, I can't afford a PC, y'all own phones, so you have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, to quote a certain, you know, former Blizzard exec, y'all have phones, don't you? <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, Higgs, thanks so much for taking some time to come on this podcast. This is literally the first time i've had someone on this podcast before i'm not an interview kind of person but pretty happy of how this turned out um thanks everybody for watching episode nine be sure to check out my preview for episode 10 that i'm gonna post on social um sometime this weekend it's gonna be a really awesome one um and uh yeah have a good one As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.